Good morning, everyone. Call to mind those who have transitioned from this world, all of our friends, all of our loved ones. And we Catholic Christians have always prayed for the dead. The commemoration of all the faithful departed uh, this day, this celebration began as a special liturgical day um, more than a thousand years ago uh, when some monks would remember the members of their order who had passed away. It was after the carnage of World War I that Pope Benedict XV uh, allowed parish priests to celebrate three masses for the dead on this day. Um, that doesn't, three masses doesn't seem all that unusual to celebrate two masses a day and no more. But because of the priest shortage, um, many priests uh, celebrate three to five masses uh, on Sundays now. And um, the Archbishop has given particular permission. Um, this is where the tension is uh, because it's in direct violation of canon law. Uh, but what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what is, uh, here I celebrate um, Saturday evening and then two on Sunday, so um, I'm staying within the, the norms. But even if a priest doesn't, he has permission uh, from the archbishop to do so, and for good reason, not simply because, just because. Um, but uh, it was only on this day that uh, was permitted a priest to say three masses. And uh, today this commemoration is a day that reminds us of some of the great truths of our faith and of our tradition. It reminds us that we are very much connected to other people, including those who have passed from this life. In a sense, family and friends who have passed uh, have impacted each one of us. And in truth, a part of them has become a part of us, whether in our appearance. Uh, I could show you a picture of my dad, and you'd be like, oh, whoa, <laughs> he looked like his dad. <laughs> Um, or mannerisms, if you knew my mother, <laughs> you would say, oh, yeah, that's, 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 that's her son. Um, or sometimes in attitude. But part of them stay with us. However, on a deeper level, uh, we celebrated All Saints Day yesterday and All Souls Day today reminds us of the bond of baptism uh, that makes us one people, that makes us one church in Christ. That bond among us is not extinguished by human death. We are united in the Lord, a one faith, a one baptism. And so we set aside this day to pray for all of our faithful departed in a very public way. For some of our responsibilities to those who have died has not died with them, especially those who uh, have experienced death of a loved one most recently, you know what I'm talking about. There's many things to attend to um, <laughs> with lawyers and uh, with land and with this and with that. There's still many responsibilities. We still have an obligation, however, to hold them up to the Lord in prayer. Mass uh, for those who have died has always been uh, the primary way the church does this, fulfilling the commandment to love them, those who have passed from this world. All Souls Day is a day for us in the face of human death to affirm uh, life through the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. And my friends, that's what our first reading, or not our first reading, well, our first reading tells us uh, where they're at, at the hands of God. But in our gospel, Christ said, my Father sent me that I may find what was lost and also that they will not be lost always. And he says, it is my Father's will 
that all that he has given me, all of you, all of human life, is to be raised up. Now, when he says raised up, he's speaking in body, like himself. The one day when, uh, in the glorious resurrection, the soul and the body are reconnected. That's what he's talking about. Um, during that time, and I'll get to that at the end, uh, where, where are our loved ones during that time? And uh, my friends, um, it is in baptism and is with faith. The critical moment in our life is not the moment of our death, but the moment we make an act of faith in the Lord, because he says, all who will believe in me, that they may have life everlasting. So that's the critical moment. Once the person does that, Jesus has them in a good way, and he will not let go. And as we know, nothing can take you from his hand then. So it is that moment of faith. That's the critical moment for each of us um, when, uh, when we make that act of faith, when we become that believer. Um, and my friends, what about that, whether it is on one's deathbed or earlier in life that this happens, um, it is then that we pass from simply human life, which will end, we know, to a life that human death cannot terminate. The critical moment in every person's life is when they place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That is really the beginning uh, of eternal life. Paul speaks that way. He doesn't refer to it as something that happens only when you transfer, when you transform. But he said, even now on earth, this is happening for you now. For the Christian, human death is uh, the event when Christ can take complete possession of what is his without any earthly resistance or any reluctance, <laughs> perhaps on our part. At death, the Lord can make us completely his own. Retaining that life of grace on earth is what the life uh, in the church is all about. The Christian's life has within it a life-giving stream that flows quietly and steadily, and it only bursts out into splendor at human death. Jesus says that the one who believes in him will never die because they have the promise of immortality to come already within them. In a real way, all souls, they uh, call us to take care of our souls then too. All souls, they turns our attention to the life of grace that uh, cannot be ended by human death, but only by sin. And... Uh, and to eternity where all will be made known to us. Then and there we will be complete and we will see full justice and we will see the worth of everything. We will see as God sees all things. At that moment, we will no longer look to what we can become, but to what we are in the Christ, in Christ. And my friends, <clears throat> As I said, um, Jesus' words, when he says, I will raise them on the last day, meaning he will unite their body. And that's mind-boggling just to try and understand. Um, but uh, So in the meantime, <laughs> where are our loved ones and our friends uh, who have uh, passed from this world? Well, even after death, God gives us the opportunity to grow in his grace, to become better suited 
to enjoy the blessedness of heaven, to be uh, in front of him. Revelation says that nothing that is, uh, in my words, dirty uh, or unclean or imperfect can stand before God. So um, he's already made a plan for that, how to help us so that we can be stand in his presence. Uh, and um, it is by his grace that we do this. And um, my friends, um, God applies to us the reconciling grace of his son, sacrificial death, as we pass through a state of purification. And when we are washed clean in the blood of the lamb, um, we call that state purgatory. And uh, purgatory is not hell, uh, nor is it a place of punishment, as it were. Um, my friends, uh, what I speak to you about is, comes from the catechism itself. And we refer to the souls there as holy souls in purgatory and because they sin no more. They cannot there. And yet at the same time, uh, they're getting prepared to stand before the Almighty One so that they can, in fact, stand before Him completely just. And um, my friends, when we think about it, uh, they are on a pilgrimage uh, as it happens even in the procession in churches. Uh, some of them have already gone into the church and some of the procession is still out. That's kind of symbolic uh, of the way things really are. And my friends, we pray for all of our faithful departed journeying through purgatory just as we pray for each other here on earth. And our faith tells us that it is right to pray for others. It is right to ask uh, for prayers. And uh, we follow that teaching especially uh, when we face a special need, uh, when we undergo an illness, like yesterday evening when I asked everyone to pray for a young man uh, who is suffering from cancer at 17. His dad called me yesterday and uh, asked for my prayers for him and for his family. And so, um, because you guys know of my situation and others, it is dear to my heart. It reminded me of when I was 17, but it also reminded me of the pain and suffering of my parents. So I begged the people last night to pray not only for the young man, but for his mother and father. Uh, only someone who knows that can understand what that pain is of a parent. I knew it from the one side of the, the cancer victim, but not of my mother and father. But I could tell that it was a great suffering. And uh, so uh, we asked for people to pray, and it is right um, because we ask for prayers in all times, in good times, but particularly in the serious times when faced with uh, illness and when faced with difficult decisions and when death comes, which becomes very difficult. We help each other by means of prayer. And we help those who have gone before us in death in the same way then because our first reading says they appear to be dead to us, but in fact they are not. And uh, so our prayers matter to them. By constant tradition, the church has always prayed for the faithful departed. Always. They always have. And each year then on November 2nd, um, we are not only invited but urged to pray even more fervently for all of our loved ones and friends who have transitioned from this world. We are privileged to participate in the highest form of prayer, the Mass. Although human death seems to be a separation, it does not make us lose our connectedness with those who have gone before us. But our relationship with them, uh, it hasn't ended uh, 
But my friends, it certainly has changed. Um, prayer for the faithful departed is one of the most beautiful aspects of our Roman Catholic tradition and one which we take a lot of heat from, from other Christians. And I don't care. <laughs> you have your traditions, you other Christians, and I love you in Jesus Christ. <laughs> but we're going to continue to do what we have been doing for thousands of years. The older we get and the more we see loved ones preceding us in death, the more we come to appreciate the opportunity our Lord gives us to pray for our faithful departed. Amen. My friends, um, this year we had uh, the most we've ever uh, had in memorial candles, so we had to get creative. We could not get all the candles around the baptismal font where we enter in, so uh, we had to extend into the altar. But uh, why not? Revelation says they're surrounded. Uh, they surround the altar, so why not? Um, so uh, my friends, uh, the, last night I blessed the flame of the candles, not the, not the glass, because we recycle the glass. Uh, but we bless the flame, and in that blessing, I, I asked the Lord uh, to fulfill his promise that he made uh, through his Son, that all who believe in him would rise, and that Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, extends that light into each of us who are baptized, a light that cannot be extinguished. So the light of the candles burn to the glory of God and his mighty deeds, but it also reminds us that our loved ones, uh, their flame has not been extinguished, that it exists. They do. They do. Yeah. But we miss them. We miss them so. And uh, we will be reunited one day. Um, so my concern is for you. Be good and holy so that you will see them. <laughs> They're already there. Uh, They're waiting, but not in the way we wait. And regarding purgatory, when I said it's not a place of suffering, uh, it is not hell. That is in the catechism. We're going to read that. Hell is a totally different place. But in purgatory, they are able to see the Father but they cannot reach him yet. So the great longing they have, when you see something you want, but you can't quite have it yet. In that sense, there is a suffering when you long. You know, each one of you who have lost somebody, you know the longing that I'm speaking about, the longing to see. It's a pain, but it's one that is out of love. So in purgatory, they're able to see the, the mighty one, the holy one, but they're not yet ready to go. Uh, so that's what I say. They're journeying. I don't know how much time. I don't know what is, what is, uh, what is one day or a thousand years in, when you have eternity. I have no idea. Uh, all we know is that we pray for them so they get out of there really fast and then get to the altar. Uh, um, that's what we do. So my friends, um, I want you to take a moment now. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you right now to recall your loved ones in your mind, and from your, from your heart. Recall them and their names. Good and 
gracious God, all things are possible to you. We pray for our loved ones that their journey to you uh, may already have come to pass. And if not, that you make that happen very quickly according to your holy will. 